This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoy this conversation with B.J. and J.P. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And this is BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Today, we are simply talking about surviving church hurt. Mm. Um, I was trying to come up with something cool, but I feel like some days you just get to the point. You know what I mean? You just get right in there. We have been surveying the landscape, so to speak. I'm not Joshua or Caleb, but I have been into a land and I've been into areas and I'm currently in a place where I see a lot of shenanigans happening from people resurrecting people from the dead to people uh, coming into their sanctuaries and motorcades and Bentleys and red carpets. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening on this continent of Africa that I'm noticing and talking to BJ pre-show. It's like, man, we need to really, 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 really hone in on a group of people that we haven't really, you know, we, we, we've kind of not necessarily beat around the bush. We've, we've indirectly addressed, addressed some issues, but I feel like Coming directly for surviving church hurt is where we need to be right now. Just kind of where the where the culture is. Would would you agree? Disagree? No, I, I agree. I think that this is an important topic. I, I I think that in a lot of ways people talk about it, and when they do, they're either extremely bitter or they're extremely reluctant because they don't want to. They have a desire to preserve the reputation of the church mm-hmm. and you know what's pure in faith and religion. And I think that is it's important though to have the conversation, especially as more information comes out from abuse victims, either child or adults, yeah. who needed to have a voice, a safe space, and then just there was an absence of that because of that same fear. And so I think that having responsible conversation around the topic is very important. And also for people who have felt for a long time that part of their reluctancy in being involved in a faith community is connected to an experience. Mm-hmm. It ain't just because they're anti-faith. It's because there was an experience that has occurred that we have not acknowledged. And so I was thinking about uh, a good friend who is petrified of dogs. He is uh, 40 years old hmm. and grew up in a community where they bred pit bulls. Oh, that sounds like Oakland. Sounds like yeah. Oakland. And you know, for some people, a pit bull is not that big of a deal, fun-loving dog. For some people... A pit bull will lock onto your body and Murder. will not release. Murder. Okay. Yes. Yep. And if you if you grew up in a neighborhood where there were a bunch of dogs roaming the streets, um, who were not friendly dogs. This is not Lassie. This is not uh, <laughs> the dog you want to pet. This is these are very angry, ad- aggressive dogs. Yep. He grew up in, in that type of community, so he was telling <laughs> this story of how even though as an adult they were out somewhere, um, I believe in Hollywood. Mm. And he sees this dog run up, this little pooch, and he panics. Mm. And I said, why did Mm. you do that? He says, because when I was growing up, I was walking through a neighborhood, and this 
dog sees me, I see him, and then he darts towards me. Hmm. The dog then proceeds to chase him for a couple of blocks, and then he is running for his dear life. And the dog is ferociously trying to get him. So he ends up jumping on a car and waiting there for 20, 30 minutes until the dog disappears, right? Mm -hmm. Now, so fast forward, you're in Beverly Hills. (laughs) And somebody walks up with a purse dog. (laughs) And you're completely panicked. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah. So here's what you realize. Just because something happened in the past doesn't mean it is not impacting you in the present, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dippy, talk to us a little about church hurt and how you see how the past can impact the present. Or maybe your past is impacting your present. Or maybe some situations that have happened for you to go, man, this particular type of hurt is really informed the way I look at these things. Yeah, man. I think we have to look through the lens of, do you remember those ads for uh, like pirating movies? And some of them would be like, pirating movies is not a victimless crime. And then they tell oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the front, yeah, on the VHS. That's yeah, what they yeah, yeah. yeah, that was VHS stuff. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we have to look through, when we're looking, when we're talking about church church, we have to understand wounds from a faith-based community are not a victimless crime. And Good. the problem often becomes we take on it's that we're the problem and we don't place the proper blame on where it should be. And I'm saying mm-hmm. that a sense of like, okay, let's, it's church bash. It's more so like, Hey, it's almost like abuse, like a, a physical abuse victim. You know, they'll take the person back and take the person back and take the person back. The police will show up and they'll make excuses or they won't file charges or whatever. And I think where I want to go in some of my conversation now is helping people understand that. Yeah. There may be some role that we have played in church hurt, um, but once we recognize that it's there, we have to be proactive in uh, healing from that, right, on a, on a very basic level. And for me, um, I've shared some stories of the past and, and past ap- episodes of, of some of my church wounds. Some stories? You started a lot of stories, bro. What? Okay. I, I can't. <laughs> That's what you're going to do right now? Like I, I was trying to keep you PC. I'm trying not to get myself worked up, man. Like, I don't, I don't understand. You, you don't hear the tone of my voice? The tone of my voice is indicating that I'm trying to sit on my hands. I'm, I'm trying to keep a monotone voice. I'm trying to okay. not be animated. Okay. okay. As to not to get my blood boiling. Okay. Can we can you can you work with me right now? You know what I mean? Go, go ahead, I'm like man. I'm go like ahead. the vampire that's like just trying to eat like like mice and like like nah. deer. Deer. I'm trying go to for the eat. blood, man. Go for the blood. <laughs> Listen, go for the blood, man. Go. Yo, yo, I was I, I was saying this to JP offline. Yo, I was, I was, you know, I was not trying to make light of it, but I was reminded at one of his phrases oh, from man. his um, bishop, uh, <laughs> pastor from the early episodes, uh-huh. and he said, "We don't burn out. We don't wear out. We don't wear out. We don't rust out. We don't rust out. We burn out." Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was a little choked up by the term <laughs> in a meeting, and so, yeah, yeah, no, your your church adventures are interesting because. You know, if, if you haven't listened to any of the past podcasts, um, JP was in a couple of cults. And so he... <laughs> yeah, I got so a couple, like, like I didn't learn my lesson the first time. All yeah. Right. So I was like, this is like a real thing to you. But, but you were saying that in a lot of ways, we don't acknowledge those things in moving forward. And when you end up in a situation where it's perpetually 
a thing that you do not recognize, you become a victim to it in some new types of ways. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. No, yeah. talk to us about like, what are the things that you see? Like, yo, this is the indicators that maybe you were in some church hurt and it was growing and you didn't realize, yo, this is where this is starting to go. Yeah. One of the bigger, like, beginning issues, like say you, you've just finally decided or you've been put out or, or whatever, you decided to leave or you've been put out or something that happens, right? Mm. It's how you respond to that. So I think the, the, the biggest thing for me is that regardless of the situation I found myself in, I was able to keep the main thing the main thing, and that was Jesus Christ being my Lord and Savior, right? Mm. Um, not a man, not a building, not an institution, but the simple fact that once I realized where I was, like the first cult I was a part of, once I realized, and I was only a part of one real cult, I might have been in some other stuff that was kind of like had some tendencies, okay? Thank you should you see my face. You should see my face. Go ahead. I'm not messing with you right now. <laughs> uh, keep that same energy, partner. <laughs> Pull up. Uh, so, <laughs> so basically, when I came to or, you know, with the first situation, it was more of like, oh, you know, it's almost like when you let a kid go to college, you know, and it's like, I've had all these rules and I've been suppressed and they get to college and they wild out. For me, it wasn't really that thing. It was more so like, all right, I know I'm a believer. I know that I place my faith in an institution, in some people, uh, as opposed to in God in certain areas for the last 10 years of my life. But let me go ahead and try to uh, find my way, you know, find my place. Um, mm-hmm. What happens with that is if you're not careful and if you don't like like dive in and hold on tight, um, you kind of waver and ro- wander and then your mind starts to play tricks on you because uh, you feel like, all right, well, you know, when I was in that cult, you know, I was reading the Bible 24-7 and not going to classes and, and failing tests because I was reading the Bible. So I ain't going to read the Bible as much. And you may not say that, you know, like audibly, but it becomes a way in your action. Or, man, I used to be in, in prayer meetings all day, every day, and I was in church, you know, uh, uh, 20 hours a week. Um, I'm not going to do that, you know. And so you do all these extreme things to not do what you were doing before. But some of these things are vital to your growth and development as a believer, right? Mm. Um, so I, I think that that has to be the first place where you recognize, okay, yes, there's pain. Yes, there's hurt. Yes, there's wounds. But I cannot let go of the basic fundamental things. Some people call them um, Christian disciplines for the sake of not being what you were when you were in the cult. And so that that's just a small piece. Just, just throwing it out there like, hey, like that's that's the first thing. Like if you're listening... Because I'm not answering your question at all, but I will answer your question. You're not, if, you're not at all. Like, right, like right. the the audience is like, who? What is he talking about? I, right. I missed the whole question. I'll what, get back so, to it. So let me let me get in let me get into this conversation. So one of the things that I realized about accidentally getting into a cult is that there are language, there is customs, um, and there are rituals that are unique to that particular cult. Or mm-hmm. I'm sorry that strong emphasis on a religious culture. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens when you end up with church hurt is for whatever reason, either you have been removed or you change or you grew and you are no longer able to be there. There was a sense of like alienation or there was a sense of like, yo, your worth has been diminished based off of your desire to step away from this, right? And so some people listening and even myself included, once you realize, wait, you know, I'm in a new season of life or, man, I don't necessarily agree with that. And you begin to form your own opinion through how you see the world in a new way. It can create such a friction that now you're leaving is like you being exiled, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so listen, so then, okay, can I jump in real quick? Come on, man. Get back on topic, though. Go so, ahead. <laughs> okay, fine. So so if you want me to do this, I just had I just wanted to lay that out for people, just you know, just to be a listening ear up front. But so what you you see, and exactly what you're saying is there'll be little things to where, like you're saying, hey, the pastor said XYZ, or the elder said XYZ, or the people said XYZ. This doesn't really line up with what I'm reading in the Bible. Help me understand. And instead of answering your question and being able to walk with you through things, it becomes, oh, you're just a rebel. Oh, you're just somebody that's trying to stir things up. Oh, you just don't know how to obey. Oh, you don't know because you didn't have a father figure in your life. You don't know what it means to submit to authority. You know, it becomes all of these things to where you become the problem and the issue that you're pointing out gets gets, gets overlooked. You know what I mean? Or it doesn't get addressed. Um, and so you have situations where, is, is that an answer to your question? You want me to give you the list of all these things? And yeah, no, no, no. I, so I, no, no, no. I, I, uh, here's a, here was the point I wanted to make. I just wanted to the audience to hear that from my own perspective, that yeah. we have experienced some things where maybe you didn't recognize it at first, but now it becomes clear in retrospect, Yeah, yo, this was a building situation that was going to lead to church hurt. Yeah. So the strong, I'll give you one example from, from our community. So there was a term that people would often ask and they would say, are you solid? Okay. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, that's a new one. Yeah, it was okay. new. And essentially, solid was a term that I believe was coined in order to indicate whether an individual shared theological convictions in a way uh, that reflected that theological denomination. Okay, gotcha. So gotcha. what people would ask about others was, "Hey, I know you know Tom from such and such, and then I want to get to know him. Is he solid?" Right mm-hmm. now, listen, an outsider would hear that and would be like, what do you mean? Right. An insider would hear that and go, that person is safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That person is not a threat. That person actually, you know, cosigns all the things that we would say is important. And so that's what I mean is like, that's a climate for church hurt. Yep. Right. Yep. Because yep. when you say at a certain point, either I don't fully, you know, agree with these certain things, now you're not solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you move absolutely. from being yeah. the insider to the outsider. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so what I'm saying about the ideas or the climate that creates church hurt is this. One, there's an insider culture that the outside world can't understand. Mm-hmm. From my perspective. Two, there is a sense of obedience that happens under the guise of a handful of people that if broken, now you become rebellious, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Three, maybe there's a change of season in life and growth where one needs to express themselves in some new ways, but because of the culture and the climate that's already been created via, you know, 100 years, via the last three, five years, via that particular denomination, now you expressing that makes you, um, a, what do they call it, uh, a disruptor mm-hmm. to that. And now you got to leave. Mm-hmm. Now you have to change or now you just have to completely shut down. And so from my vantage point, church hurt happens under those guys where you realize, yo, there's some things that need to change or I need to change or some things change about me and either y'all don't care or I don't fit into the situation, but this is all that I know. This episode is brought to you in part 
by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. What do you say when you think about church hurt? What have been some climates that you go, this is what I've seen has created the climate for church hurt? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, well, one, um, now it's it's this one is a, a stickier situation just because it also depends on denomination and, and upbringings or whatever. But I think the biggest one that I've seen is when there's a one pastor-led congregation. Ooh, right? What do you mean? So you have someone who's the complete authority that has no checks and balance, and there's no one in place or there's no system in place that can say, hey, what you're doing isn't cool. And when, what I mean by that is I've been in um, the cult that I was in. The leader would literally say, hey, who going to check me, boo? So basically, he's in a position where he would use the Bible and say, hey, look at David. When David killed the messenger for saying that he, I guess, kind of put the, the final touches on Saul, right? And then David mm-hmm. says, touch not God's anointed. And he kills the guy or whatever, right? And so I've been in a place where the pastor, if someone has an op, uh, objection to something he said or done, he'll say, touch not God's anointed. He'll say, he'll say when, you, when, you, when you put your mouth on the man of God, uh, this will happen to you and that'll happen to you. And he begins to pronounce curses on people, right? Wow. So there's no level of accountability. There's no level of like, hey, we got to have some checks and balances because this person is the end all be all to wow. this institution. Does that make sense? No, it, uh, it, it does. So, so, so here, this is what I'm hearing you say, is that one of the things that, that creates a climate for church hurt. Now, again, these are not perfect, but we're just saying these are the things that create the climate for church hurt is the fact that there is a sole individual who gets to determine what's being said and what's not. And if that is criticized, all of a sudden you become the absolute enemy with Scripture. Yep. Right, yeah, that yeah, just they right. use those sacred texts in order to communicate that point from God's perspective, and so one of the indicators of a culture that is prime and ripe for church hurt is the easy ability to equate a leader's displeasure with you with God's displeasure with you, right? Mm-hmm. So, we say if that leader doesn't like you preferentially, then God has a problem with you. Yeah. Because that person hears from God, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I think a culture that is prime for church hurt is a culture where only one individual or three individuals on staff are the main people who hear from the divine power. Mm-hmm. If you don't check a culture, <laughs> if you have a culture where only three people out of a couple of hundred 
yep. or a couple thousand really hear clear messages from mm -hmm. the divine, mm -hmm. then that is a culture that is prime for church hurt. Because again, we are equating those things with each other. And so just acknowledging the fact that all of us are extremely vulnerable yeah. to what it means to be a soul with a body, I think that it's important to remember that just because someone in leadership is displeased with you, it doesn't mean God it's is displeased with you. with you. Yeah, yeah. I literally had a situation where, again, in my first cult, um, the only cult, by the way, um, that I was in, where I, you know, this, this particular, oh, this is a, well, I have two points, so I'll, I'll mesh, mesh this into one. But if you're in a place where they, they say there's nothing more important than what's happening in this church and your life becomes inside of those four walls, we got service this day, this day, that day, this day, this day, and you don't have a life outside of the four walls of that church, that's a problem. Um, now, I mean, listen, some people may, may, you know, when I, when I became a Christian in 19, I needed to be in church as much as possible because there's some things I was doing in college I didn't need to do. Right. So there's a level of like rehab, right? Like, okay, like I'm fresh out of jail or I'm fresh off the, you know, uh, uh, of coming out of, you know, rehabilitation. I might need to keep myself away from And the soldier boy voice. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So you might need to be on house arrest. You know, you might need to be in a position where you can't have, you know, access to things you don't need. But at some point in life, you have to grow beyond that. And if your life as a believer consists of only being in those four walls 24-7, you know what I'm saying? 365, there's a problem with that. And if you're in a place that encourages that, again, beyond you being maybe a new believer or, or fresh to the faith or something like that, then you need to check that because there's something fishy going on. Anyway, mm. so uh, it was a New Year, uh, Easter service, you know, back the, the cold, it was sunrise. So you had the 6 a.m. service on Easter Sunday or whatever. My grandmother was in town for the holidays. I was in, you know, I lived in Oakland, I drove down to L.A. Uh, to pick up my mom and my grandma. I'm like, hey, mom, grandma, I love y'all, but I got to be back at church on Sunday. So at 6 a.m., so let's, let's, let's get up. We got to get up there. So we, it's about an eight-hour, eight-and-a-half-hour drive. <laughs> I, like, I love how you laugh at my pain so often, bro. Like, it's just, it's just so easy for you. It's very easy for you to just... Just chuckle when I'm when I when I'm having these these emotional uh, uh, moments. But it's cool. I'm gonna put my mic on mute. I'm gonna put my mic on mute. Go ahead. No, 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 you no, no, keep it, keep it. I want people to hear where you at with this stuff. Don't 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 put no no. Keep the mic live. Go keep ahead. So I'm like, Mama, Grandma, we gotta go. No, listen, was it our birthday? Was it your grandma's birthday? Man, no. your birthday. Go ahead. I know it's your birthday. No, no, no. So I gotta go to Wednesday watch. I gotta go to Wednesday watch. <laughs> go ahead, bro. Go ahead, tell us the rest of the story. Go ahead. Are we friends, bro? Like I don't even know. <laughs> what is this, right? A celebrity roast? Like I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> so, Granny, hurry up, get your stuff, get your wig, get in the car, Mama. Let's go, oh right? So we zoom and zoom and zoom and driving overnight. My mom gets a speeding ticket. She's trying to get me back up there. I get in the church at six oh one a.m., bro. Six oh one a.m. The pastor pulls me aside before I can get into the church good, brings me to his office and tells me I'm not committed to the church. And he doesn't know what my focus is. And he doesn't believe that I'm, I'm supposed to be a leader and I'm this, that, and other thing. And I'm like, bruh, I'm in here. This is like when the, when the, when the, the you know, the, the house of cards starts to fall for me and being in an institution. It was like, I'm here 
literally probably four out of seven days a week. I'm here Sunday all day. We travel around all these different churches. My day on Sunday starts at 6 a.m. It doesn't end till 9 p.m. I'm out in these streets two or three in the morning trying to witness to these dudes doing this and doing that. I'm in these streets. Like, I'm doing everything. Oh, I- wait, you, you, you going out at two, three in the morning trying to witness? Did you go Bro, we, we used to be on the track. Excuse me for those that aren't aware. I used to be in the areas where dope and marijuana and cocaine and drugs are sold. At like two or three in the morning, we used to pull up in the whip, doors open, slapping some Christian rap. Passing out tracks, praying for people. I remember one time I prayed for this girl. She was like probably seven months pregnant selling dope. And she was like, man, I'm out here because my family stole my money. And it was my my money I had put away for my baby. But, you know, it was kind of like the re-up situation. They took took her bread and she didn't have no choice but to get back in and oh, hustle. Back in the game. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I thought it was great, man. I'm out here praying for her and praying for the baby and doing these things. But anyway... What happens is when he tells me that, it destroyed me. So this is piggybacking your point, right? I was destroyed when this dude told me that he wasn't pleased with me and Mm -hmm. that what I was was doing didn't show the fact that I was committed. And then when when I was about ready to leave the cult, that conversation would play over and over and over for the years following, over and over and over. And the Lord simply said to me, hey, man, if you would have asked me, I would have said, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? But because this man was in my place, he was your God, he was your Lord, he was your Savior. When he told you he was displeased with you, it rocked your world and it, and it threw you off your course. You know what I'm saying? So that is 100%. I agree with what you're saying when it comes to that. But I think another thing, too, to add to this uh, pie is that I think one way to recognize when you're a place that may be ripe for church hurt and church wounds is when you're in an institution where the pastor's vision becomes your vision. When the pastor's vision for where the church should be in 2018, 2019, 2020, when the pastor has a vision of, I like to sing songs, and this is a song singing church, and if you don't sing songs, something's wrong with you, so you start taking singing lessons, even though you have nothing to do with singing. When the person who's has the power, so to speak, or is the spiritual leader or the spiritual father in, in the house has a vision, but their vision supersedes the vision that God has for your life, that's a problem. Let me give you another indicator that you're in a place right for church hurt. Because again, there's people listening right now who are in church hurt Mm -hmm. and they're just listening to see like, what do I need to do about it? Right. I'll give you another indicator of church hurt. Another symptom of a culture for church hurt is you can never really have your own voice. Mm. Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. You know, one of the things that I, I say to people often is, isn't it ironic that Though, you know, people are to come to maturation in every component except for the church. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. if you come to maturation in the church, that means you're a pastor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so what I would say is one of the indicators for a climate for church hurt that's prime for church hurt is you can never really grow up. Think about that. Mm-hmm. I can't ever really grow up here. Because if I were to grow to a status that was had just as much weight of voice, it could be a problem, right? Yeah. We could be at odds. I could be called a lot of bad names, or I might have to be sent off. And so part of, the, part of my struggle with lots of the ways that we've structured institutions is that people are not able to grow up. Listen, unless you're new to a situation and you just... You know, you're so enamored by the information or the way that they, you know, operate. Many of times we create environments where even grown-ups have to pretend to be children. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, Come man. Come on, man. I might get in trouble for this. If they don't hear you. I might get in trouble for this. But here's the thing. I got. I, I have to serve the people because I serve the most high. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so so one of the other opportunities is, is that what you realize, these, these environments that are primed for church hurt are environments where you have to begin to, to be a child forever, right? And you can't reason and ration for yourself. They tell you what to think and not how to think. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so so what I would say is, yes, these are the elements that created um, also last element that creates an environment for church hurt is those who you respect get caught up in hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Right. I think mm-hmm. if we learn nothing from the 2016 election, there are colleagues, <laughs> individuals who we respect mm-hmm. and admire. Yeah. Listen, when the push come to shove, it's about that dollar. <laughs> Is when push comes to shove, you want it. When push comes to shove, when yeah. push comes to shove, it's about power, right? Yeah. And yeah. that is a tainting force for individuals who have willfully given their lives to a cause because they thought it was about you know the divine power, not about money or any of those things that would taint the purity of a faith. What do you think, JP? Just in terms of some of the ways we come to grips with church hurt and how mm-hmm. do we then begin to respond if we have, because I'm sure there are plenty of people who are listening who are going, I've ex- that's me. All those things have been me. How do you begin to process that? Well, I, let me tread lightly just in the sense that, you know, I don't want to break spirits, but I think that the way in which you view the situation, the way in which you view yourself and the way in which you view moving forward is going to be key to healing and restoration once you've recognized and realized that you may be in a place where you experience church hurt or you know for a fact you've experienced church hurt and you're trying to move forward. Again, you have to... What do you mean? What do you mean? uh, The way you view it, what do you mean? Yeah. So again, if it's meltdown, temper tantrum, taking my ball and go home, and you decide to handle it in an unhealthy way, then that's 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 going to be problematic for you. Does that make sense? So if if you recognize that you have been a part of church hurt, if you recognize you have spiritual wounds, if you recognize that, hey, this wasn't something that I would want on my worst enemy or something I wouldn't want to repeat again or be a part of, like we're mentioning pre-show about, you know, certain rappers or people that are entertainers or people that are in the public light that seem that they're irreligious and want nothing to do with God, but it's more so they have been burnt by someone that's close to them or if they've seen family members fall victims to, you know, you know, to to churches or to um, pastors or whatever the case may be. And instead of being able to have a healthy relationship to, to their own spirituality, you know what I mean? They just demonize the whole institution mm. of faith. You understand what I'm saying? That's 2018 so, wrapped up. That's 2019 wrapped up in the I'm box. saying, I'm, I'm saying, the right? So Go they, ahead. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, like, how you respond is key, right? So is it you throw the baby out with the bathwater, or do you recognize things for what they are? They are people. The Bible's very clear that there will be people that will come along and say that they love the Lord and be nothing but crooks and snakes, right? Wolf and sheep's clothing. And you have to understand, hey, if I got caught up in something or if I got caught slipping or if I was enamored with somebody's preaching style or the music or the praise and worship or I was, you know, going because of somebody that I wanted to date. Next thing you know, I'm knee deep in a cult. Like you have to, you have to, 
No, not not ready. You know, too soon. safe out here. You said what you say. If you went to, to date somebody and it end in the bag, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just. I mean, people. I know people that have been swept up in cults trying to date folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it. they, they seem cool. Next thing you know, they shaving their head and you know what I'm saying, like putting on some Nikes and sipping mm. some poach. But how you recover is going to be key. How you view yourself, how you forgive yourself, how you don't wild out, be, you know, and throw away the institution or, or get rid of your faith or punch your faith altogether is going to be key to the healing process and coming out of the uh, the, the church. Right? I had a couple other points, but we kind of just honed in on that. So I think, you know, hopefully that that's that's a good start for that. Did, did, no, that's good. That's a great that's a great point. So here's what I would say. If let's just say you you're here and you're listening to this and you are hearing my voice. And you're in a place where you can't even get out of bed on a worship day, whether that's a Saturday or a Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I would say. Right now, you're grieving. That's what you're doing. You're angry. You feel unheard. You feel unloved. And you're grieving. It's not that you've walked away from God. You just mad at him. Right? And so what I would say for those who are listening who are currently in a state of church hurt, currently wrestling through this thing, is that you are grieving and it's okay. I think mm -hmm. being able to acknowledge that something is, is wrong and something happened is okay and actually a part of our healing process, right? When we try to say nothing happened, I'm just fine. No, something happened. No, mm -hmm. this person who I admired turned on me. These people who I love exiled me. This institution that I was a part of rejected me. That's something you need to say out loud and then giving yourself the space to grieve it. What I would also say, just by way of encouragement as a man of faith, is this. Though they hurt you, that soul care is necessary for who you are. Let me tell you why, okay? So when we all leave this body and we die, people will often say, oh, I don't want to talk about death, it's morbid or whatever. When you go to a funeral home and you see a person laying in a casket or urn with their ashes, here's what you're seeing. You're seeing all the muscular, skeletal, and neurological um, systems all operating no differently, right? They're all present no differently than when they were when a person was alive. But that person looks like a shell. Why? Why do they look mm -hmm. like a shell? Because what's gone? The spirit and the soul of that person is gone. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which means this. Yeah. You are not a body with a soul. You are a soul with a body. Therefore, anyone listening to the sound of my voice is simply a soul that is in operation of a body. Therefore, we all need soul care. Here's what I'm about to say to you. If you're listening to the sound of my voice and you are experiencing church hurt, though those individuals in that particular institution, faith community may have hurt you and it has caused you to struggle to get out of bed, the necessity of you practicing soul care hasn't left. You're only prolonging it, right? It's like people who are putting off their dental care. Just because you act like it doesn't, it's not there. It's still there. It's only compounding because it is very much a part of you. You still have teeth. Therefore, you still have a need for dental care. You still have a soul. Therefore, 
you have a need for soul care. So here's what I want to say. All right. Now that I've dr- I'm driving this nail <laughs> in is this. Give yourself the space to grieve. Be very honest about the pain or the hypocrisy that you've seen. Mm-hmm. But then go on the journey of discovering what's real and what's soul giving so that your soul doesn't starve for years mm-hmm. at a time. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you just need to sit and reflect for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, yeah. Give yourself the space to do that. But your soul is always speaking to you. And so practical application is be honest about where you are. I'm mad. Mm-hmm. I'm grieving. Mm-hmm. I view hypocrisy and I want to see something different in the situation. But do not allow yourself to be stagnant because here's what will happen if you grow stagnant. Listen, JP, your heart will grow hard and you'll find yourself undermining your true desires. And here's your true desire. You ready? To experience love and joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you hear me saying as we wrap up as I preach this last set over here? <laughs> what do you hear me saying? Huh? Mm, Go yeah. ahead. Closing, closing remarks. Uh, I think from the piggybacking on that last piece, one of the things that was very detrimental to me and the length of time it took me to come out of my post coma um, and my just my inactivity when it came to my faith. Thank you for your um, honesty. Go ahead. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) Here we go. So, yes, uh, I didn't do a great job of talking to someone, like you said, outside Mm. of complaining, right? Outside of, like, I literally, I remember one time I ran into a friend uh, after maybe two years after I left the church. and said, oh, you still going to that cult? And I was like, wait, what? Like, wait, wait, why didn't you tell me when we were friends in college that I was in the coach? She was like, well, I, I mean, I just, you know, thought you wanted to be there. So I just went on about my business. And I'm thinking to myself, how many other people recognized what was going on with me and just let, left me to the wolves? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, I digress. But it was stories like that that made me think and it made me, it didn't make me think, it made me down on myself. And, it, and I was in a stump. Uh, not a stump, but like a stupor for so long because I wasn't willing to forgive myself because I felt like I was so dumb. I'm like, bruh, I went to UC Berkeley. I'm a pretty educated dude. Like I talk crazy about people that get caught up in situations like I got caught up in. And how did I not see it? How did I, you know, how did I spend almost 10 years of my young life, like my youth, youth, like, like stuck in a situation. And I would beat myself up all the time because I was like, man, how dumb was I? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and so I think when you don't forgive yourself, when you don't have the conversation, when you don't seek a life coach, when you don't seek a therapist, when you don't seek solid, uh, there's that word again, solid spiritual advice. You solid? We solid. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead. Is they solid. solid. When you don't seek that, right, right, that solid spiritual advice, and you can find yourself in a place where it takes so much longer to come out of this funk, right? Mm. To forgive yourself, to be free from those shackles and chains or those spiritual wounds. And I think that's so key to moving forward, really uncovering what you feel about yourself based on being in that situation. Good. And it's, yeah, it's, it's very vital. Very, very vital. Good. I'm going to close with this illustration. You remember uh, the the Avengers? Remember Bruce Banner? Yes. On the Avengers? Yes. The Hulk? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the Hulk would say, you're making me angry. Right, And right. he would flip out, turn green, mm-hmm. and destroy a whole city. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the thing that brought him back to sobriety, to being Bruce Banner again? You remember this? Listen, every time he encountered real love. Oh, gotcha. Okay, Come gotcha. on, bro. Okay. I'm on, I, I'm I know on this, bro. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Right, every time right, he right. would encounter real love, bro, listen. Yeah, yeah. He was sober up. He'd be naked. Mm-hmm. He had only in them, in them uh, jawstring pants, <laughs> right? Listen. Uh-huh. And he'd look up and he would see nothing but destruction along the way. And he'd go, yo, who did this? And they'd have to say, yeah. you did this. Yeah. This is what I think what happens when we don't confront church hurt. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I sure did do that. Mm-hmm. I did that. Listen. Yeah, you did. We turn into a hope. Yeah. Go off into a rage. Listen, and when we finally sober up with love, we mm-hmm. look at look up at all the damage we caused and we say, Who did that? Yeah. And then somebody has to say, You did that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, like a destruction. That's that's yeah. you're right. You don't even care in the moment. Yeah. So here's what I would say to those who are struggling with church hurt. When you don't know that you have real love, your lack of care doesn't mean damage isn't being done. Mm-hmm. And I think that for us, because we are prolonging it, we're just doing it. You know, the Hulk will tear up everything. He'll tear up a whole city, right? Yeah. No, yeah. no concern about anything. It's not until he sobers up that that now means something. And this is what I say: stop prolonging your hurt, your your care in the area of church hurt. If you need to confront it, let's confront it. If you yeah. need to deal with yeah. it, let's deal with it. Right? What are some ways people can deal with such a weighty topic like church hurt? What give us some way? What what's some ways people can deal with that topic in a more personal way? Maybe they don't know how to just do it. What's some personal ways? Yeah, the the biggest thing, um, the elephant in the room is to to get a life coach, to get somebody in their corner where they can assess, they can confer with you, they can maybe draw some symbolism from this part and that part of your life. They can kind of put things together in such a way that maybe you weren't able to see before as a means of kind of getting you on the path you need to be on. Um, And, you know, sir, I often ask myself, if I was BJ, where would I go? That's right. Where would I go? What would I go? What would I do to find a said like? No. So we have created a process. Uh If you visit buildabetterus.com, there are life coaches waiting uh, to connect with you. The initial consultation is free, um, so you don't have to worry there. And there are experts. You know, we talk about the range of expertise. Man, we are grateful to have such a great range of individuals who are trained, competent, and experienced in helping walk with people. Because our greatest desire is to help you become a better you. So that we can become a better us. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.